At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we've turned the page to a new year, many are wondering what will come next and how to navigate it when it does. We invite you to tune into our series, What Now? How Tomorrow Shapes Today, as we explore the words of Jesus in Matthew 24 and 25. Together, we'll learn to look toward the future because what we believe about tomorrow defines the way we'll spend today. Let's discover God's answer to the question on everyone's mind. What now? Good morning, everyone. Everybody doing well today? Awesome, awesome. Well, many of you know my wife, and um, you would just right off think she's an amazing person, you know, like I do, right? Yeah, yeah, that's good, good, good. But uh, however, she was, uh, she was a bit of a stinker growing up, and uh, she came from a family of stinkers, so they loved playing jokes on each other. So she was about, I don't know, somewhere between 8 and 10 years old, and she put a load in her father's cigarette. You know what a load is? Yeah. <laughs> so he was enjoying some, uh, we'll say, libation with his friends, right? And he lit a cigarette, and the cigarette exploded, and the debris of cigarette went into everybody's drink. So yeah, not a pleasant surprise. However, and she did hear about it, you know, once he got home. But surprises are kind of good, if it's a good surprise, but on the other hand, they can be absolutely horrible. Like one day I went to work, and I was fully prepared for work, and I had a surprise. A car T-boned me, right, and broke my knee, and it was, it was a mess. It was a surprise. Uh, not a good surprise. So God has surprises ahead for us. Some are absolutely fantastic if you prepare. I think some of the most exciting surprises that we had in the last year uh, my son invited us out to dinner, and we got to the restaurant, and our entire family was there. It was a surprise party for us. Incredible. Same thing happened with a group of people from this church. Pleasant surprises. Raise your hand if you like good surprises. That's what I thought. Okay, this is good. Because God wants us to prepare for a wonderful surprise that he has coming down the road for us. We're on a journey. We are packing for the trip of a lifetime. Two of my friends recently went on that trip. One was my sister. Another was a missionary friend to the Philippines. The missionary man had packed his whole life with good works, with a hungry heart every day waking up wanting to serve Jesus getting loaded, packing his bags, packing his heart with truth that he could deliver to people everywhere he went. Yes, he took that final journey. He went to be with the Lord. Likewise with my sister. <gasps> Likewise with every one of us. And nobody said amen. Okay, so... <laughs> It is the inevitable, and I would be like in trouble if I didn't remind you today that one day what you have packed your whole life, listen, we are preparing every day for that final journey, and our time together this morning is so precious. As I was driving here, I, I had this picture in my mind, you know, so like, I'm sorry, what, what is your name? 
Michael. Michael was here, and somebody came up to me and said, my gosh, can you believe how much Eric has changed in a week? It's like, it's not Eric, it's Michael, right? Well, wouldn't it be great if people look at you and they go, there's Jesus. Because you've been packing truth, so much so that you radiate who he is. The evidence of what you're packing, what is your baggage? We've had old baggage, that's done with. We sang about it, it's over, right? But what is, in, what is our new baggage? What are we toting around? We want that to be Jesus. Is that what you want this morning? Let's pray. I believe it's God's will. Father God, I pray today that you will give us truth today that only like only you can speak through your Holy Spirit to every single one of us right where we are sitting. You know us. I'm just one little guy here with a set of words that I trust come from you. But you can open hearts so that you speak life into us and cause our days to be filled with packing for this incredible journey into eternity. And may our lives be such that we get your word today. We let your word get us and shape us and mold us. And then we begin to radiate your word in this world so that the world will know that you are here among us. We thank you and praise you for it. And everybody said... Amen. So our series, we're looking at how tomorrow shapes today. Very, very good question. And Jesus shared in this discourse about what was going to happen in Jerusalem. And that, that came to pass, and yet Jesus' words are so profound that they carry over and over and over throughout history so that we find in Matthew 24 and 25 great instruction as Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Raise your hand if you're a disciple of Jesus. There we go. So he's speaking to us through these words. The main question today, the big idea is, are you ready? Are you ready? You're processing that, aren't you? You want to know, are you ready? I found people have a variety of attitudes. Uh, uh, like some are like, yeah, my Jesus, he's got this. I'm cool. I'm walking, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, everything's fine, I'm not going to worry about anything. I'm just like, I'm going to float through it. And then there's other people, some friends. They've got guns, they've got ammunition, a storehouse of gasoline, because are they ready? They're trying to get ready because of what's coming. Is that the proper way to get ready? I, if God speaks it, I'm not speaking against it, I'm just saying that there is a third attitude, right? One is... I don't care, total chill. The next one is I'm freaking out. But this next attitude is the one I want us to walk away with today. An attitude of excitement. Because we know that in the end times, God is going to pour out a great revival. And that he wants to use us in the midst of that revival to bring many to the knowledge of Christ. So right now, we're responding with one of those three kinds of attitudes and maybe a blend of a couple of those. How do we get ready? That's our question today. How can we get ready for all that God has said he's going to do? There are two ways. The first one is be prepared. Be prepared. And the sec second one is to be faithful. Be faithful. So let's take a look at this preparation to begin with as we explore Matthew 24. We'll start in verse 36. 
he says this, but concerning the day and the hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, wow, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they're playing video games, they're working hard to climb the social ladder and the economic ladder, preparing 401ks, giving in marriage until the day, you know I added that part, right? Okay, we're good. Uh, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, and one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake. Some translations say watch. For you do not know what day our Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in, in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. The house. Therefore, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming in an hour, and you do not, in an hour that you do not expect. So, great, great words of Jesus to help us be prepared. Let's take a look at uh, a slide, a couple of slides here that we've prepared. This slide is an exact uh, layout, a timeline of end times. How many of you have seen these kinds of diagrams before? Okay, right, right. Okay, so they got the, you know, the rapture, the tribulation, and when people are being raptured. It's all like perfectly clear in every chart. The only problem is the charts are all a little different, okay? So Jesus is bypassing all of it. Let's take a look at another one. And these are so far away you can't read them, so it really doesn't matter. <laughs> it's okay. Because the counsel of Jesus goes far beyond the imagery of these slides. His whole point is... Do not worry about the timing because I'm going to show you how to live everyday life so that you will be prepared. And that is what we're looking for today. Jesus made it clear, not even the Son of God knows when Jesus is, when he is returning. That is only in the Father's mind and heart. And here we see that Jesus submits himself to the Father in the timing of the Father for these end times. The portion of Scripture we read also points to the days of Noah. You know, those days of Noah, people were living life as normal, right? They were just having a good time. Their lives were full. And I don't know what's happened in America. But it's almost like we are living on a treadmill. And our lives are so full that sometimes we have to shake ourselves. We have to get up in the morning and come to church and go like, time out world. Where am I? Get your Holy Spirit GPS out and figure out where we are and where we're headed so that we can live a life that is pleasing to the Lord in everyday life. How many of you felt like, even with COVID and everything, that you're sometimes on a, on a treadmill, you know? Yeah, I talk to people, and the one thing they say so many, I'm so busy, I'm, so, I'm talking to myself, I'm so busy. 
With what? With what? If it's the Lord's work, awesome. If it's not, we need to sort through some of that stuff because we can be working to make money. Like I said before, the 401k retirement, and what do you do in retirement? You know, working out, you know, we've got these like, you know, everybody's got to be fit, you know. Uh, Nothing wrong with that. But some of these things become obsessions in our lives. And it takes up it takes up space where God wants to, you know, dwell in us in a new and wonderful, wonderful way. So Jesus is likening the days of Noah to the day in which he will return. The people are basically unaware. Now I remember back in the '60s that you know we'd walk outside and every day we'd look to the sky see if Jesus was coming. And I think the scripture is clear that he couldn't have come then, and there are still some things that have to be fulfilled. But have you thought about, like the first time I read the Bible, I was 25 years old, and I kept reading about the second coming of Jesus, and I got pretty excited. And for me, the second coming of Jesus was when he came into my life. And then I began to realize, wait, wait, wait a minute. Jesus is the manna. He said, I'm the manna who came down in the wilderness. How often did that manna come down? It came down every day. Is the coming of the Lord a daily experience for you? I was talking with someone this morning in church, just before it started, and listening to the Bible every morning, (laughs) digging in the Word is the coming of the word. Jesus is at word to us every day. I'm telling you, this is a secret to life. If you are not reading your Bible, you may not be collecting that manna, Jesus, every day. I know it sounds like, and when I say it, it sounds like, oh, he's giving us a homework assignment. You know, I feel like I'm back at school. Read your Bible, turn it in on, no. There's a place where reading God's word becomes a passion. It becomes a habit. Just to keep it real, how many of you have ever read the Bible and it was like so boring? Anybody? Oh, somebody's not telling the truth. Anybody? Let's try this hand. Maybe this hand's worked better. Anybody? Okay, good, good, good. Because <laughs> sometimes you read it and it's like so-and-so begot so-and-so, Mephibosheth, Ogla, Hogla, all these names, right? And you just kind of get lost. It's like, what? I need life. So you flip over to Psalms and you jump into the New Testament. But it's the desire of your heart to have that word of God, you know, in you, in you so, so much. Amen. He's called us to this. There were two men, he says, two men. I love this part. I never saw this till I just like kind of really dug into this. Two men will be, you know, working, two women working, and one is taken and one isn't. And I began to realize that the one that's taken is the one that is so passionately in love with Jesus. Well, then why is he hanging out with the one who wasn't taken? It's because we are called to evangelism. We are called to make disciples of all people. If you're hanging out only with Christians, then where is your Jesus, Holy Spirit, river flowing out of your innermost being? Is that happening? So I saw these people 
who were packing the right stuff for the big journey were people that were hanging out with Jesus, getting filled to overflowing, and then hanging out with people in the workplace, in their community, in their social groups, and sharing Jesus. And one is taken and another one isn't. It's amazing. It gives us a clue. And, and all these things should be like registering in our minds, am I prepared? Am I doing these things? Am I living this kind of a way? Verse 42, it says, stay awake, stay awake, watch, be spiritually alert. Watch, therefore, and the tense, the verb tense is keep watching. Keep watching. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's a lot of work. Then I thought about driving, because I drive a lot. You know, you're driving. Oh, there was an old Lucille Ball um, episode where she was learning how to drive. It was so funny. Because Ricky is telling her, now watch the speedometer. Okay, now you got to shift. Now pay attention to what's on the left. And you, your, your mind is going like rear view mirror, left, right, you know. And so when you're driving, you are constantly alert. You're paying attention to everything that is around you. The Bible tells us to walk circumspectly. Be spiritually awake to what is happening around you. Now, compare that to just sitting in a chair. You're just sitting. You don't have to watch what's going on. Nothing's moving. You're not moving. So it's a walk. And it's like, like climbing a rock wall. You know, it's like you're paying attention to everything that you're gripping so that you're sure, you're going to be sure-footed. It's different than just sitting still. He says, he goes on and he talks about in verse 43 that if the master of the house knew when the robber was coming that he would watch. Which begs the question, when is the robber, when is the thief coming? Who is the thief? Who is the liar? Who is the accuser of the brethren? And when is he coming? Does he schedule it with you? No. He just shows up. And the, uh, I love the, how many of you have seen Home Alone? Seen Home Alone? Okay, good. Good, Home Alone. So this little guy, what's his name? The little bratty kid. Kevin, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Kevin, yeah, his mom, remember? Kevin! Okay, so Kevin is left home alone, and he knows when the thieves are going to come. So when we're done with the message today, go home and prepare. Open your, like, leave the window unlocked. Put marbles on the floor. Of course, you got to put up a Christmas tree. So when the thief comes in, he slides and he falls, and a tree falls on him, and he steps on all the broken glass from all the ornaments. Get a paint can, hang it from a rope, and put it in your stairwell, and just wait at the right time. See, your timing's got to be good, right? Let that go and hit the thief in the head. The point is, Kevin prepared. Kevin prepared for the thief. He knew when he was coming. Do you know that in the United States, every 15 seconds, there's a robbery going on? Inspired, of course, by the thief himself, Lucifer. So I don't doubt that every 15 seconds, I don't doubt that the enemy has a plan, a real plan, to not only steal from you, but to speak lies and be a thief for the gift of God that is in your life because he made you to be an awesome messenger of his truth. He made you to be one who collects the manna. This is not manna that rots the next day if you don't eat it all. 
right? This is the everlasting manna of Jesus Christ in, in our lives. So that becomes our passion. Right about this time of the year, I really want to head to the Caribbean, right? Because right now the sun is shining. You go outside, it's like, what? It's cold. <laughs> Why is it so shiny outside? And it just, you, I just want to be in the Caribbean. And when I pack, I pack really light, right? And now I want to I pack for that eternal trip. I want, when I get there, I want God to say, let's take a look in your bags. What have you packed? The word of God. Good works that were ordained and inspired by the Holy Spirit. You're packing people that you share Jesus with. There's a lot of treasure that we can take with us. And he wants us to be prepared for the day when he returns. It's awesome. And we don't know. We don't know the day or the hour. I love Francis Chan's testimony about his grandmother-in-law. You know, she just loved Jesus. She prayed 24-7 and one day said, Grandma, let's, we're going to take you to the show. We're going to take you to the theater. Watch this really good movie. And she's sitting in the theater and Francis looks over at her and she's got this look on her face. And he said, uh, Mom, what's, what's wrong? And she said, well, if Jesus comes now, I'm not sure I want him to find me in a theater. And it was like, wow, this woman was just like expecting the return of Jesus and wanted to be seen doing his will all the time. I'm not saying going to the theater is the wrong thing. God speaks to us through movies many times. But that frame of mind to always want to be ready. I had an Aunt Mary. We could stop in her house any time. You didn't have to call. This was the old days. You just drop in. And they're like, oh, you're here. Let me get some coffee and cookies. She always had fresh cookies she made. We loved going there, right? We want to be ready for Jesus so that when he knocks on the door, we're all like, yeah, come on in. We're ready for you. We find you. We want to apply these truths to everyday moments of our lives. So that we are looking for that manna. There are some awesome scriptures. I'm going to read a little piece of a scripture, and then I want you to say every day. Okay, are you ready? What are you going to say? Every day. Every day. Okay, cool. Listen to this. Stand firm in the faith. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 6.13. Uh, continue in steadfast prayer. Yeah, Colossians 4.2. Uh, be sober-minded. Yeah, 1 Peter 5.8. Uh, be ready for every good work every day. Every day. Titus 3.1. This is God's will for our lives, that we be that kind of people. Now, there's attitudes. Check out this attitude. This is pretty cool. Uh, this is by uh, J.C. Uh, Ryle, and he says this. True Christians ought to live like watchmen. The day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night, they should uh, strive to be always on guard. They should behave like a sentinel of an army in an enemy's land. They should resolve by God's grace not to sleep at their post. And I read that. Part of me says, amen. Another part of me says, I think I'll have an ulcer. Because <laughs> it's like, that's so intense. And there's an intensity that God wants us to have. But it's coupled with an amazing peace. And I got this picture in my head of a, of a teenager playing a video game. Because they're war games, right? And I was going to check with some video 
game playing teenager before service so they could be a demo, but I didn't connect. So I'm a teenager, okay? Yeah. I'm a teenager. I got a video game. And I'm playing this video game. Oh, yeah. Oh! Bloom. Okay, cool. I am engaged. I am having so much fun. I am like this guy that he's talking about. I am vigilant, but I am having a good time doing the warfare of God Almighty. Amen? That should be our charge every day. We're like sentinels. We're watching, but we're having a good time because our God has the victory for us every single day of our lives as we collect that living word of God. It prepares us for the day in which he is coming. That is God's plan for our life. Let's take a look at a little broadcast here by a guy named Paul Harvey. This was recorded. If I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness, and I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, the... So I'd set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, You'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Okay, that 
was broadcast in 1965 in April, before they had metal detectors in schools, before they had dogs sniffing students' backpacks. So the plan of the devil has unfolded pretty much like Paul Harvey stated in 1965. That plan is still in action. But don't we know that God has another plan? He has an incredible plan to fill us up with more and more of himself so that we can be prepared. Secondly, he's calling us to be faithful. He's calling us to be faithful. Faithful in our marriage. Faithful in our place of employment. Faithful to him and in, in reading scripture and, and developing our relationship with him. The next portion of scripture is Matthew 24, starting in verse 45. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? This word servant is repeated here. For whom his master has set over his household to give them food at a proper time. And then he says, blessed, happy is that servant whom his Lord will find doing so when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, if he thinks, my master is delayed, right? And begins to beat his fellow servants and eat uh, and drink with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour when he does not know. And he will, this is brutal, he will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites in that place. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In Matthew's gospel, this, the hypocrite is, is viewed as, as one of the most horrible kinds of sins that there can be. And of course, it's written to the Jewish people. And so we have this very clear picture here. And the thing I want to bring out of this is that God has appointed us what I call a God job. Every single one of us have received from heaven a job to do while we are here. We're called the servants of God, the disciples of Jesus. And these disciples, we, remember this is written to us, his disciples, are given a holy charge from God. And the question is, are we preparing and are we being faithful in that call? He promise us, promises us to be blessed, which means to be happy. It's a, it's a Greek word, uh, makarios. It's a beautiful word. It's considered a, uh, a virtue in the Greek language. So it's a virtue that is uh, uh, repeated in our lives and it, and it grows. It's a beautiful blessedness. And we, write, we also read in Matthew chapter 5 that blessed are the poor in spirit. What we're talking about is a spiritual way of living. It's not so much that I'm telling you go and do. I did tell you read your Bible. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not telling you go and do merciful acts. They come from our spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. You know, what is the condition of our soul today? of our spirit, because that, that's really the question. And you know, the other thing is, our eyes, we look at what we love. We look for things that we love. If we wake up in the morning and we are looking for Jesus, you will find Jesus. 
if you're looking to the Lord to use you somehow, He will, because that's His will. But if you wake up in the morning hoping you're getting better grades in your classes, uh, if you wake up in the morning and you hope that you find a thrill in a relationship, and that trumps your relationship with Jesus, I think we have a problem, right? Because we could fall into that chill mode, oh, it'll all be taken care of when Jesus returns, you know, we'll be made perfect, and then we see him, we'll be just like him, blah, 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 and you quote all the right stuff, but where is our, where are our hearts today? And I think your hearts are in a great place. You wouldn't be here if you weren't that kind of a person. But you know, God is so amazing, he's so creative, that he is not finished with any one of us yet. We are that proverbial clay on a potter's wheel, and he wants to shape our lives today. He is not purpose for us to be in that bad place of being dismembered and cast into a place that is hell. That's exactly what he's talking about here. And if you take a look... Very carefully, it is the wicked servant says to himself, what if you and I say to ourselves, today is the day that Jesus wants to come to me, that Jesus wants to speak into my life. Wow, what a great position that would be for each one of us. So the big question is, how am I living? How am I living to prepare? Am I being faithful? Am I being wise in how I use the resource of uh, time, you know, which is so limited for every single one of us? Am I preparing for the Lord? How will I live? Am I hot for the Lord? Or am I cold? Or am I lukewarm? See, when God sees a people, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, seek my face, pray, he says, I will answer your prayers. And I know that we want, we want to see revival. Amen? We want to see our families. We want to see our community touch for Jesus. We want to see the world one for Christ. I have one mission in life. It sounds radical, but it's totally biblical. It is to take over the world with Jesus. Hello? That's what's going to happen anyhow. Why not, why not join that, that group, right? And the way it happens is by letting him take us over. So this morning I pray that, you know, the Lord will touch us in realms because what we're really talking about is attitudes. You know, what is our attitude? Where's our hunger? What are we looking for? I don't want anyone here to be unprepared. Jesus is coming today. And uh, today, uh, for you and I, is to turn from our sinful attitudes, Turn from things that would keep us from being wholly passionate. Turn from our slothfulness. There may be some actual behaviors that we need to turn from as well. But you know, I found this. If you focus on what you need to get rid of, you need to walk away from this. Okay, I'm going to walk away. I keep looking at that. But if I look at where God wants to bring me, I'm reaching for something, and that just naturally gets farther away from me. So I say today we need to turn our eyes to the Lord because hasn't Jesus died for us? Aren't we set free from all of our sin? Hasn't your biggest problem in life already been solved? And now that we are saved, 
He was buried. He rose from the dead for every single one of us. If you haven't accepted that gift, today is an awesome day to accept that gift and begin to prepare and live a faithful life for Jesus Christ. Because not only was he buried, but he rose. And with that resurrection came power so that every single one of us can live, not by trying harder in our own strength, but by the power of God's Spirit living within us so that we can show the world what it looks like to be a people of resolve, that we are not afraid of the future, that we are not totally chill about the future, but that we are those who are excited about the future because our God is preparing us as we prepare our hearts before Him. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. I know our musicians will come. I want to pray for all of us. God says in his word, behold, I do a new thing. The devil has nothing new. His tricks are old. I know you've been serving the Lord. As I'm reading through scripture, I find in Deuteronomy uh, 28, it says, because uh, thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness, and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, too many things, too busy, therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies, which the Lord shall send against thee. I've served my enemies. I'm done with that. It's painful. He's turned my heart to him. I want to serve him. Lord, I pray this morning that each one of us will be those who find great joy, great uh, grace, that comes to us, it influences us every day and causes us to live overcoming lives. May we answer the call as your disciples and hear your words to be prepared and be faithful. I pray today, Lord, you'll touch each heart. Amen. With your sweet conviction and your uh, great, exuberant, abundant grace, that we all be overcomers like never before. We begin to experience your victory, the victory of our risen Savior in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.